podcasters. Welcome back to Northview's Extra Podcast. Today, brought to you by the 2016 Apologetics Canada Conference and their esteemed leader, Andy Steiger. That's right. March 4th, 5th, Apologetics Canada Conference. This will be our sixth year. It's going to be here at Northview. It's going to be fantastic. We have Jay Warner Wallace. He's going to be headlining on Friday. He's a homicide detective from Los Angeles. He, uh, JWW. Yes, he's a cold case homicide detective, never lost a case. He's been on Dateline a number of he's times. He's like Perry Mason. Yeah, I know. Uh, he is. Wow, a, dude. But this better is a looking. Song about Perry and Mason. he's in color. But uh, he, in fact, he's in a new movie, uh, God's mm. Not Dead 2. I'm not sure if they should make another one, but they did. Mm. And, and he's, he's in, it. in it. Amen. <laughs> and he, so he's a movie star now. Yeah, and he's a movie star. Well, it's good to know he's still not dead. But we also have Denny Burke here. Denny who? Denny Burke. Explain who he is. Denny is a professor at Boyce College, which is uh, the undergraduate arm of uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. You know it's pronounced Louisville, right? I do. Louisville? Not, no. Not Louisville? No, Louisville. 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 There's no ville in it. It's Louisville. Louisville. I was told that by a guy from Kentucky, mm. that I, would, I used to call it Louisville, and then he said, you are really sh- making a, an embarrassment of yourself. Mm. It's Louisville. That's like when somebody calls mm. Oregon, Oregon. When I lived in Texas, oh, yeah. <laughs> they made sure that I knew that it's not a pecan. It's a pecan. Mm. It's a pecan. But Jeff, what, would, what do you think about Denny? I think that Denny Burke is a first-rate guy. Denny's actually written quite a couple of books recently. He's on kind of the head leading voice in uh, a lot of the gender debates and stuff like that. So he's a very interesting guy. To, to He's a very good communicator, real sharp dude. Very you good. like him. Went mm-hmm. to seminary. I went, Denny and I went to seminary together. So you really like hearing from Denny. He's, he's got a lot of good things to say, and uh, he's a blazing redhead. So it'd be good fun. <laughs> we got a great lineup of speakers. If you're interested in coming, uh, we have a discount code for you. It is thinking. Uh, 16. Use that discount code if you purchase before February 15th. So do they enter that on the website? They do. Go online to apologeticscanadaconference.com. All one word, apologeticscanadaconference.com. Wow. One word. uh, And then when you're purchasing your tickets, use that discount code THINKING16, and you will get a discount if you purchase before Feb What about the code uh, STEIGER starting with a dollar sign? What about that code? That will get you nothing. Well, That's a lot of awesome. Now, what? If, if That's I what can, it should have been. If That's I can, what the code yeah, should have been. been. Okay, what? so how much? How much? How much do the tickets cost? You know what? I think that they're like forty-five bucks. How do you not know? Because I don't look at <laughs> stuff like that, man. But if you're coming as a couple, you get a discount. And I will say this as well. Uh, hey, price should never be stopping you from coming to a conference. We value making these available to everyone. You give us an email, and, and we will help you get here if you can't. If you have a group that wants to come, we can also uh, So all the freeloaders are like all sudden. Yeah. I know. The, all okay, the so, menos are like... So, so, Andy, so, Andy, you know, usually when I go to various conferences, they usually give away free stuff. So am I going to get... What kind of swag is Ezra going to get tonight? Good question this, about uh, that. that weekend. I will say, you know what swag you are going to get? I mm. wanted to throw this out there. Sure. If you are a pastor or teacher, or you know a pastor or teacher... Which everybody have, knows a pastor or teacher. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, if you come on Thursday, we are hosting a free lunch <gasps> with Jay Warner Wallace. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There is. 
In fact, North is paying for it. Okay, so <laughs> I see. Okay, uh, so pastor, teacher. Pastor, teacher, free lunch for you. You can come meet Jay Warner. He's going to be speaking uh, to the pastors and teachers. Fabulous opportunity. And yes, we have a number of books that we're going to be giving away. Some we'll have soup. Swag. We but, tend to uh, have soup for those meals. So. And you know what? It's actually really good, you know, soup. There, hey, hey. I, normally, so there's some farmer sausage in clarification there. Clarification then. Ooh. So that means teacher, like if you're teaching MEI, teacher at a secular, uh, I mean, any school. If any you're a teacher school. or pastor and you have some time, the date will be? March 3rd. Okay. Thursday. That would be a Thursday. noon. Noon Here to... at Northview. Mm. You know, it goes for like an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, here at Northview in Center Court, we would love to have you. Okay. But you have to register, and to register, you need to email Cecilia, which her email address is... They can find it on the website. Steenkamp. Yeah, but you at Northview.org. Yeah, if you go on our website, uh, you go on the staff listing, you'll find Cecilia and her email. Or just email the church. Email. email the church, and the email will get to Cecilia Or one just way, listen to Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just so email just the church, that. and you'll get to Cecilia in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, that was a very long advertisement. I just want you I to I appreciated it, though, guys. Thanks. Yeah. That kind of, I was so thanks for doing that. I didn't see that coming. No, it wasn't for you. you didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andy's still hot stuff. I have to say one last one, though. At MEI, we have Natasha Crane. Uh, she's going to be speaking to parents about keeping... She has a book coming out called Keeping Your Children on God's Side. Mm-hmm. She's going to be speaking at MEI on Thursday night. Again, you got to go to the... Time? Con- uh, that's at 7 p.m. It's a free event. You do need to register for it. You can do it's that on the It's for people website. anywhere. It's not just for MEI. The MEI is just hosting it. That's so right. So you can go... If you don't go to MEI, kids don't go to MEI, it doesn't matter. They're just hosting the event. And I would strongly encourage you, if you are going to become a parent or you are a parent... This, I think, is one of the most important events that we're doing, quite honestly. Cool. Uh, love to have you out to that. I'm awesome. done. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. All right, on to some questions. Uh, first question, one of our listeners was recently having a surgery, and he had to spend a whole bunch of time face down. So he listened to a whole bunch of our podcasts in a row and almost went insane. I feel like we should apologize. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but he had this question, because uh, he's been facing some serious health problems, so he has this question. What does the Bible have to say? Uh, what, what does the Bible say happens when we die? And can we die and go to heaven and then come back to life? And then he references a, a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven and uh, um, the, the movie with the little boy. What was that called? Heaven is for Real, mm. where you have these stories of people going to heaven and saying they come back and they have all these um, things that they say they saw and things. Is that actually something that can happen or does happen or... Does the Bible say anything about it? Well, let me t- first. I'll first have a go at um, at trying to answer the question from a theological point of view. What happens after we die? Um, we don't know. A whole, we don't know a whole lot about what's called the intermediate state. So there's two different. Uh, so so when you die, you go to what theologians call the intermediate state, uh, and then after the great hope for the Christian though is called the the new heavens and new earth where we will receive new bodies, okay? Mm-hmm. So the Bible doesn't have so much to say about life after death as it has to say about life after life after death. Does that make sense? It's N.T. Wright's line. It's very helpful. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that uh, we, we commonly view as heaven in our minds is actually the intermediate state, meaning mm-hmm. it's a disembodied, you go to be with, a, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 5. So, okay, what, is, what does that mean? I don't know. There's a picture, I guess, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. 
maybe mm-hmm. in Luke mm-hmm. 16. Yep. Yep. Ma- maybe. Uh, but we're still, you know, how much, how literally do you take that? Is there a chasm fix between the two? Is the guy in torment? I mean, fine. But we have that said about it, but there's way more said. I mean, at the end of Revelation, Romans 8, several different passages of Scripture that will talk about the resurrection hope. 1 Corinthians 15, talk about the resurrection body. So that new heavens, new earth is what the Bible talks about more often when it talks about heaven. So we need to, in our minds anyway, clarify, all right, when we go to be with God immediately after our death, Christians, right? They go to an inter- intermediate state. There's no such thing as soul sleep. You're conscious. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, we even have in Revelation disembodied, state. disembodied. But yes. there's there in Revelation. There's even a passage that talks about how the martyrs are pleading with God. Yeah, that's to Revelation twenty. Return. We're mm-hmm. crying for God to bring about mm-hmm. the final consummation of all things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's an embod it's a disembodied mm-hmm. but personal experience with God. But it's not the final destination for the people of God. The final destination of the people of God is this earth renewed. Mm-hmm. And, and physical this, bodies this, that are renewed. Now, uh, growing up, I mean, I grew up here in Abbotsford and MEI, MB churches and things. And this, this kind of talk is, is not... I didn't hear this growing up. I, I only really, in my adult life and going over to seminaries where I really so what did you hear more about it. What did you hear? Uh, well, just... You didn't hear talk about the new heavens and new earth. No, you disembodied bliss. There was no heaven. distinction made in heaven between the no. intermediate state and the new heavens. And you new go earth. to heaven, and then you just spend the rest of life uh, singing to Jesus. Right. In a disembodied state? In a disembodied state? Well, it didn't it's matter. It's monochromatic, it, you, by the way. Yeah. It's black no, co- and white. Oh, that's it? No, yeah. That's the way people view it. With your yeah. clouds and a little harp. Oh, okay. But anyway, that was, so that was my, that was growing up what I thought. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, I mean, when you read Revelation, you read, it's clear that the, the final, the end game is not just to be absent from your body and you, you know, you leave your body behind, good riddance, never see you again. No, you, you actually get it back in a glorified state, the way mm. Christ got his body back in a glorified state. Right. That brings a question. Can I throw a monkey wrench sure. into this? Yeah. That, that's always raised a big question in my mind. Mm-hmm. Was G- the incarnation mm. permanent? What do you mean? Uh, is Jesus embodied? Yes. Yes. Right now. Which is what you were just saying. That's why the I answer is yes. 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 Right. Yes. So the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But he's gone back to be with his father. Right. Yes. So, so this has how- led some philosophers, by the way, to start saying, well, actually, maybe the intermediate state is not disembodied. Maybe you get a temporary body. That's pure conjecture, and that's fine. It's, it is. Uh, I'm okay with someone saying that. Okay, sounds good to me. I'm not sure it matters. My point. My point with the intermediate state is we just don't have a whole lot about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's just not a lot said about it, and so as a result, I I don't I don't know how to answer all the conjectural questions because I mean, I mean what? There's lots of different places where people talk about heaven and what it's going to look like in terms of its in terms of that that the disembodied. Uh, or or embodied mm-hmm. intermediate state, and we just don't know. So, I don't know. Come up with your theory. So, it, so go, getting back to the listener's question, then. Uh, so we've we've got it straight now. What happens at when we die? But what about this idea of coming back? Right. Uh, it, like like okay, so like kind of a near near death. I mean, so Saul goes to a medium and he asks 
the medium, can you bring Samuel back? And he shows Samuel shows up. Right. Yeah. So that's there's a one example and apple and apple and oh. Hey, sorry, we just had a couple of technical difficulties, but back to our topic. We're talking about uh, coming, uh, the possibility of somebody coming back from the dead, a la... Uh, um, Endor. Jeff, Jeff mentioned... Isn't that the Witch of Endor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like it belongs in a Star, Star Wars, Wars thing. Is, do you wonder if that's where Star Maybe Wars it, got that? It probably was. Who George, was on George Endor? George Lucas took, stole a lot of stuff from a By lot of By the way, who was on Endor? Was that with the Ewoks? Yeah. Uh, maybe the Ewoks were Samuel. Maybe. Anyway, the Witch maybe of Endor Samuel's is really hairy and so, small. And so Saul goes to the Witch of Endor, who yes. conjures up Samuel's spirit. So that's the only biblical example I know of of somebody coming back in some way that's sort of seancey. Right. And he's like, "Who disturbs me from my right?" Sleep? It's the only biblical example I can think of. And if you want to write in a question about that, you go for it. Right, because that's a good fun. That's a fun passage yeah. of scripture. Yeah. So um, anyway, but now normally I wouldn't say that the answer is yes. I mean, I will say that I get a little bit troubled by all these all these extra biblical descriptions of heaven. In mm. that, at, at the very least, I don't know really what to make of them. But at the very least, wouldn't we all just agree that they're not a sure word from God? Absolutely. Well, so, here's something that's interesting about them. I was doing some research a while ago on these near-death experiences and these heaven experiences. And I don't know if you know this, but there's just as many hell experiences after death as Why don't are they make heaven. movies about those? Yeah, isn't that fascinating? You never see any movies about those. Now, now does that prove... It's kind of interesting. Most romantic comedies are. Just kidding. <laughs> so would that, would that <laughs> prove that's then that hell I feel exists? like I've visited hell and, and then... I've watched them. <laughs> all, Je- all Jennifer Lopez <laughs> movies. <laughs> that is a low blow. But come on. Uh, my wife's upset with you, buddy. <laughs> I have to sit through. My mom pays me to watch certain movies. Yeah, I'm not. Anyway. She pays me candy. At any rate. Uh, you know, so, so does that all of a sudden prove that hell exists, right? And because a lot of people use these movies to prove that heaven exists. Mm. You see, I think okay. So, you but would, it's like, they, I, but would they flip it and use it the other way? See, the, I think you you would travel to many other parts of the world. Say you go to Nigeria, for instance, and there's usually a lot of stories regarding how God is doing miraculous things and people are coming back from the dead and so on and so forth. And these people who come back from the dead will stand up in front of people and testify that this is what they saw, this is what they saw, and all the rest of it. I would say, at the end of the day, the Bible is our guide to that's, faith and life. That's my Scripture point. Scripture is always. That's my point. But, I mean, again, that just places, though, the, the testimony of people into just a, the questionable category. Yes. That's all I'm saying. That's exactly that's I, what I don't, I'm saying, too. I don't know what to do with what they're saying. Yes. Um, it's their testimony. M- maybe they're telling the truth. I just don't think it's a sure word. Do you understand what I mean? No, this is my not... challenge with all extra-biblical revelation, is that I want to judge it based upon Scripture. So at the points at which the person is agreeing with the Bible and what it says mm-hmm. regarding who Jesus is and that sort of thing, then I will agree with them and say, yes. yeah, maybe you did actually, Jesus did visit you. But the points at which they, they don't agree. So for example, I know of stories where people have gone, you know, near, had near-death experiences and they visit Jesus and Jesus was just this warm, like... This this warm like non judgmental presence, 
and would never hurt a fly is okay. one of the ways that it said. This is actually this lady named Sheila who, had, who made her own religion called Sheilaism. Oh. But she claimed the same thing, that she went and died and visited Jesus, yep. and he was... This friendly guy it's who told common. her who told her that nobody that he would never judge anybody and these sorts of, like he mm-hmm. so okay at that point I'm going to say well no because the sure word of God mm-hmm. dis- disagrees with you would say otherwise That's so right. again yeah. this is a paradigm that I have for all stuff like this it doesn't matter whether it's the person who says that they visited heaven and come back or a person who comes and says well I have a prophecy or a person who comes and said well God spoke to me. At the end of the day, it's, okay, is what you're saying in line with the sure word of God? This and is... if it is, then then great, maybe that happened. I'm not mm-hmm. going to build my life on what you said, mm-hmm. but I am going to build my life on the sure, on the mm-hmm. sure word of God. So mm-hmm. I'm, please, please hear me as saying I'm not mm-hmm. totally ob- objecting and pushing mm-hmm. those things to the side mm-hmm. and saying they might not be real, but at the same time I'm saying that like the big rock here, the major thing, is is the word of God? You want to hear from what you want to hear from Jesus? He, he, read, right. This was Paul's point in Galatians, particularly chapter one. He talks about listen. If, if somebody else comes and is preaching a dis- different gospel than us, whether it be an angel or whatever it might be, yeah. Let he says quite, twice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let him be cursed. And so this this to me is significant, particularly as I've read the number of cults that have begun in these ways, right? Whether it's a near-death experience or an angel spoke to me or I, or I saw a light and I, and I thought such and such. You know, the, these, these can be dangerous when they trump the Bible. Okay, so here's But a, I think you're absolutely right. When, when it's in yeah. line with Scripture, that, that's, sure. that's different. So let's say you have a pastor so-and-so from a, specific, from a certain spot, place in the world, rolls into town, hey, this is his testimony. So he let's, died, let's da, da, da. put a name to him, Pastor Okoti. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes into the town. He rolls into town. He rolls into town yeah. in his Mercedes Benz. Totally. It right? Gets, is, out, gets out with his $2,000 Versace suit. Totally. Okay. With white shoes. We're good. And then he walks in. I mean, posters have been made. He, he came back to life and all these things. Should we go to this event? You know what? Again... I'm I'm probably not going to because I tend to be a little bit a little bit skeptical of those sorts of things and I I think it can be it could be encouraging too if you want if not again though if you're going to go I just think you need to take a real dose of discernment and you need mm-hmm. to take your bible with you and you need to be thinking to yourself all right does what that person said is that is what that person saying line up with what the scriptures teach about about heaven, about this, mm-hmm. which is hard, okay? Because I just said that the intermediate state is not a whole lot written about it, right? right. So it's hard right. because in yeah. the end, so you end up getting into questions like, okay, is the way that they're describing the character of God true, right? It, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. I am a little bit surprised at how much uh, attention has been paid to a little boy who, who has this experience because mm-hmm. I'm like, well... I mean, well, the books. Oh, my little I mean, kids say lots, all sorts of stuff. Right, <laughs> right, and yeah. and because there's sort of a, well, he couldn't have known that. He couldn't have known that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm just, I tend to be a little bit more skeptical, and I don't feel like I need to to know that. I think it's wonderful if it's an experience that person had, but I don't feel like I need to know that what what he experienced in order for it to be true. It's I, I again, the sure word of God. Yeah. Scriptures are sufficient. Yeah, and regarding that book, uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven, it's written by an author named Don Piper, D-O-N, who people often mistake for John Piper. And so John Piper actually wrote a response to uh, Don Piper's book, 
And so if you are interested in knowing um, or reading more about that, you can go on DesiringGod.com where John Piper writes a response to 90 Minutes in Heaven because of the, 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 the things that Don Piper said he saw in heaven, which actually contradict what Scripture right. says in Revelation. So, uh, so it's a good it's a good letter. It's an it's an easy read. It's quick. Um, so, if you're interested in that kind of thing, I, I recommend you go to DesiringGod.com. Could I just get a, a point of clarification from yeah. Ezra though? Mm-hmm. What what car would Pastor Akoti drive if he could drive any <laughs> car? What what would he choose? It depends. It depends where Pastor Ezra comes from. Comes from. It also depends oh, let's just on say what. he comes from he, Kenya he, and he yeah, lives in Canada. He, yeah, and he lives in Canada. Came. You know, and he could choose whatever car he wanted. Like, what would it be? It would just be a Hyundai Accent, a little one, <laughs> you know, four door, standard, stick shift, beige in color. Yeah, just a what humble about, car. What if you were in Italy? Huh? What if you were in Italy? Uh, maybe a Fiat. <laughs> you know, one, blue in color. You know what? You're no fun at all, man. 13, nothing with 13, the horse 18. on the front? No, nothing with no. the horse on the front. Well, I was thinking oh. Cadillac, man. No Cadillac? <laughs> dude, you should get one, an old Cadillac and drive that thing dude, around. Dude, so the... Okay, was, now the truth's coming out. There was a uh, news clip in the local paper in Kenya that uh, talked about this mega church pastor from one of the African countries came in, and he came to Kenya with a fleet of private jets. And what? Yet, oh, yes. Like, it wasn't one. Like, there were many. Well, like, there were you flies. Expect, so how can Creflo you expect, Dollar envies this guy. They were how all can you expect over to, the place. How can you expect to wow. come on just one plane? Wow. I who's was gonna just care? Who's blown gonna, away. Who's going to carry well, my stuff? Like, he rolled into town. <laughs> like, don't have he trunks? rolled into town. That's wow. unbelievable. We yeah. be rolling. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. So Moving um, on. <laughs> I should go and be a pastor in Africa, dude. Come here with my private no jet. Kidding. You know? No. Well, you're Hyundai. Uh, yeah. All right. So our yeah. next question. <laughs> I'll be coming to my own. Next question. Okay. Is. Uh, uh, <laughs> what? Sorry. Go ahead. That's fine. Go ahead. So uh, one of our listeners would like to clarify some terminology that we've used in the past. We've talked about things like open theism and reformed theology. Uh, do we care to. Uh, enlighten our friends. Sure, oh, well, I'll can... have a go at both, and you guys can add them. Okay. Uh, Reform theology is hard, to be honest with you, because there's the people who would say they're every time you put try to put a label on or try to put a definition on it. There's a mm-hmm. group of people who will say that's not reformed theology, not reformed enough, right? Buddy. So usually, <laughs> let's just put it on a continuum. There are people who are slightly reformed and those who are truly reformed, mm. which is a little. If you if you from a reformed background, for me to say you're TR, that means that's yeah. the real. I mean, you're the real deal. <laughs> There's five people going to heaven, and they're all truly reformed. Um, you're bad. So, some of it has to do with how much of Calvinism you believe. Some of it actually, but it's broader than that. Reformed theology actually has a lot to do with uh, the the relationship of the church to the state. So when I use the term Reformed theology, I'm largely thinking about what side you would fall on in a discussion about divine sovereignty and election. Do you believe election is something that God predicates upon the choice a person makes that he foresees? Okay, that means you're not Reformed. If you say, no, I believe that God chooses based upon his own his own free will. So God chooses, not arbitrarily, but he chooses according to his choice. Mm-hmm. 
then I'd say you're reformed. So I'm actually, if you want to talk about the 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 five tenets of Calvinism, which they say, right? Tulip. Tulip. Uh, I'm saying that the one unconditional election, which side do you fall on? Is it conditional or unconditional? And I tend to think those who say it's conditional are not reformed. Those who say it's unconditional are reformed. But So I've been in conversations with people who are uh, really reformed, and they object to me calling myself reformed, because I'm largely Anabaptist in my viewpoints regarding the church's posture toward the wider culture. So that, that makes me very not reformed in that regard. And there are other places that the Reformed Church, I'm, I don't believe, for example, I, I believe in believer's baptism, and that makes me very not Reformed. Mm. The Reformed Church doesn't hold that at all and never did. But there are other places where I have agreement with Reformed people, and so I can sit in a room and I can uh, find a lot of commonality with them in, on a number of levels. So that's Reformed theology. Paul, you're going to want to have something to say about that in just a second. Let me just talk about open theism. Open theism is... Uh, philosophical belief, to be honest with you, that God doesn't know the future, and it, it's they, open. Yeah, that God, that future is genuinely open. That God has limited Himself not just in His power, but He's limited Himself in His knowledge in order to make uh, cre- people genuinely free. To, to make a distinction there, though, I've met a number that would just say more than limited. They would just say He can't know the yeah, future. Yeah, I'm 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 relying on the people who originally kind of coined the idea, at least in the modern day, with a Clark Clark Pinnock, for example, who's written a book, The Wideness and God's Mercy, and others. I mean, he his, or I should say the late Clark Pinnock. So he he argued though that it's not it's it's not that God is doesn't have the power to know. He's chosen not to in order to provide space in his world for free beings besides him. They think it's impossible for God to be uh, for for people, it, they think it's imp- impossible for people to be genuinely free and responsible if God knows the future about them, because knowing the future about them uh, necessarily uh, necessarily requires them to do those acts. Do you understand? So it's got to be Takes genuinely free, free. Genuinely free. And there are those who, open theists would argue that they're the only viewpoint that really make sense of uh, evil in the world. They, they, they would argue that, that they'd say, look, that you, if God, the reason there's evil in the world is because God can't do something about it. He can't, because he can't, he doesn't really know what's happening about it in, in the present time. He's, 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 not, he's kind of surprised by it, and those are my words, they wouldn't like that language, but he's kind of surprised by it. But he's God, right? And so he's a really good... He's a really good jockey. So you picture a thoroughbred horse running, and it's got a free will, and it goes one way or another. But God is riding this thoroughbred horse. He's riding the world, and he's adjusting his plan, adjusting his intentions as it moves. And eventually, he's a good enough jockey that he's going to get it to where he wants it to go, albeit maybe a little different than what he thought it was going to be to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So open theism... Is largely the belief that God doesn't know the future, right? Yeah. Let me so, want to jump so, in. But, oh, sorry. Yep. So, on that note, then you might ask, well, what would happen, say, when Jesus is talking to Peter, right, and he predicts the future and says to Peter, you know, listen, you're going to deny me three times. Right. So, an open theist would say, 
well, Jesus didn't really know that he would do that. He just, given the information that he had, that he was able to make a really highly educated guess. Right. So that's what God does have exhaustive knowledge of your present person. Okay. His exhaustive knowledge of you. And so you can imagine if I had exhaustive knowledge of Paul, I could probably make a pretty good, a pretty accurate like guess about what he's going to do in every given situation. So it's almost like um, a parent and their child as their child is still growing. Right, but if, the, but if the parent could see their mind, could understand all of these things, oh, that, the that they, yeah, they would have a... Like you can make the best guess. John Sanders wrote a book called The God Who Risks that really tries to explain this this view a lot. If you ever read Letters to a Skeptic too, Greg Boyd tries to explain to his father in that his views on open theism that make sense of God's of evil in the world. And the answer is, look, God is trying try, God is trying and will solve the problem of evil in the world, but he's as troubled by it and has nothing to do with it as you do. So does a lot. I mean, people like me say, "Man, you're doing a lot to God's sovereignty there." Like you're really making it so that God is not a king, not in any kind of traditional sense, who has any kind of power. And so, a passage like Proverbs twenty-one, one, right? The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it whichever way he pleases. They would agree, yeah. Well, he can direct it, but that that he d- he doesn't know where it's going to go, right? This, the challenge that's come up with that this is, as Andy says, prophecy. Right, I mean, how did what it means is pro- that Jesus could have been wrong? Well, what is prophecy ultimately? And, and prophecy becomes God's best guess yeah. mm-hmm. at what's going to take place. But you know, he's a really good guesser. <laughs> like he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a he funny. Here's an interesting one though. I have a friend who's an open theist, and it was interesting. 2004. Remember the tsunami that hit? Mm-hmm. Mm. This was an interesting moment though, because you know, all this time he and I would have these debates, and he would say, "No, God doesn't know the future. God doesn't know the future." Well, a tsunami happens out in the sea. And there's about a fit. I think it was 20 minutes mm-hmm. that the wave mm-hmm. wave traveled. Yeah. And so this death, the death of 250,000 people, like God knew, even if you're an open theist, God knew. You it's say, coming. well, God doesn't know the future and stuff. He could see the wave coming. I mean, anybody right. from his position would have looked at, does he, that wave is coming? There's all these people on the beach. Right. And yet it still happened. So this is, so my I, my point there is, yeah, God can. You can get God off the hook a little bit for evil in this regard by positioning it completely on people and basically saying that, well, God just doesn't know. Well, yeah, but not, not really, because there are lots of times that God knows what's going to happen, and people, lots of people die. Totally mm-hmm. right. I mean, like He knows. He can see. He can see the guy walking into the bank with the with the gun. You can see the kids walking into school with their guns, pl- you know, yeah, and He knows the their plan and stuff like that. And he can, and if his he guesses are that accurate, right? And he's not. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're still my point is you're still not off the hook. Totally. In the end because what you've got is a god who could even in the moment do things to shift shift the direction, right? If he knows mm-hmm. you so well and stuff, you could shift, you could do something to shift the direction. Yeah. Influence somebody in some way to shift the direction. Have a brick, you know, whatever fall out of heaven, have a windstorm fall come and stuff. Things that are inanimate like windstorms, right? Right. I can appreciate the tension that Pennick and others feel, though, and that kind of draws them to this this theology. I mean, there is that tension and challenge on how how do you, rec- you know, how do you deal with these things. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Pennick 
that where he really started to lean this way was uh, with um, a couple that really felt like God was leading them to each other. Mm-hmm. And and everybody felt, yeah, this is God's thing. And then the, I believe it was the man ends up cheating on the wife down the road. And the question is just like, well, why would God lead these two together, right, if if he knew... That one would cheat on the other. That one would cheat on the other. Yeah, I think that's. I think that actually. I, I want to. I think that is Pinnock. I, I believe mm. it is. But it's a. I mean, look, open theism is a very popular view these days among mm. lots and lots of people. Mm. Lots and lots of people. I mean, I don't hold it. I don't think it makes sense of the Bible. Nope. If you take the Bible's statements about providence and the way that God knows the future and the language that He about His sovereignty, it just doesn't do a lot for right. right. I mean, Job at the or uh, Job at the end of his life when he says, you know. Basically, Job forty two, he says, "You do whatever you want, right? You, you you cause the seas and the wind, whatever, and the whirlwind. I mean, like the way that it, the story of Job is not a story that supports open theism. Mm-hmm. The way that God responds, the way that <laughs> Job responds to God's response, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's, I think it doesn't I, support it. I think we can we can see why the view is popular these days. Oh, Just given out. trying to make sense of how would God lead you knowingly down a path where you will How can be... God be good? Yeah. That's the challenge that we that's, face. That's, that's okay, right. I mean, let's be honest with each other. Like even Christians, unbelievers, we're all in the same boat. We mm-hmm. struggle with that's the right. goodness of God. Yes. We don't we might say we struggle with the wisdom of God, whatever. We struggle believing that God's intentions are are good and right, especially when in the moment when they don't seem to be. And that can be yes. anything from, you know, you being let down in a sports game something as trivial as that, to you losing your loved one. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, an infant child dies, or, you know, your, your wife dies when, she, when, you're, when you're, she's too young. Mm. So we, we struggle with this question. And so this is my thing, is that as much as I disagree, and I think that, I think that open theists are doing great harm to the Scriptures, like, I, it's hard for me because I see the impulse. Like, I feel the impulse to try to figure out how can we make this work with a God we don't quite understand. And the problem is, I mean, the Scripture's answer to this whole thing is, look, it's not that God doesn't know the future. It's just that He hasn't informed you of every reason why it is that He permits what He permits in this world. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday you'll see it, but at the end of the day, we are left with a God who doesn't need to explain Himself to us. Right? Who are you, O man, to talk back to God? He didn't do it to Job. Job didn't know. No, he didn't know. And so in the end, that's what we, we have, is God, who is bigger... And big enough to stop it, therefore he needs to be big enough. You think God's big enough to stop these things evil from happening. He also needs to be big enough to have reasons for it that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we just need to be okay. Well, I think that. that's the Bible's answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Um, so you want to do one more? Sure. All right, one more. Here we are. Um, Last week we talked about um, churches and knowing good, that uh, good teaching is known by the fruit that it produces. Uh, the, so the question is, what does, what does this mean? What does it mean to know good teaching by the fruit it produces? Um, and, and, the, and to follow up with that, uh, how do you apply that in searching for a new church when you move to a new town? Well, when I'm talk, I think that the scriptures, when it uses that language of fruit, is talking in several places of a couple things. There are some contexts where it's talking about doctrine, mm-hmm. right? And in other places too, it's talking about actual like life, 
right? Right, the moral life of an of an individual. Mm-hmm. So I would say both. How's that? Is that it's the doctrine of life, doctrine and life of the teacher. So how do you know it's all teacher? You tell them by their fruit. What it, that means is by the it's by their doctrine and life. Right. Yeah. So somebody gets up and they preach something that agrees with scripture, yeah. but then if they're living totally contrary right. to that. Then that's bad fruit. Yes. Right. Likewise, right. if they are preaching something that's totally contrary to scripture, that's bad fruit. Right. Even if their life Right, even if their uh, life's good. It, it, so they're, I, they're moral, they're living in a way that's charitable to others and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And so when you're looking for a new church, I mean quite honestly, you need to look for churches that that are sound in doctrine and are led by people sound in doctrine and life. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? That put also um, policies in place or put, you know... Um, yeah, there's more to it than just that. Yeah, that, yeah. Th- that, they're, that they're proactive in making sure that, that, uh, that they're on the, a, a path that's above reproach, right? That, they're, right? that there is, like, for example, an elder board in place in, with this church, right. that the leadership yeah. is held accountable, that, you know, the finances are being held accountable in proper way. Like, these are all important things, that I think. Yeah. So what kinds of... This is, a, this is a good exercise. Yeah. What kinds of things, let's first start by going around, which kinds of things do you think are important for someone to consider when looking for a new church? Well, number one, when they go and visit, uh, when they go and they sit in a service, are, is, the, is the worship God-oriented or is it man-oriented? Is okay, it, what does that mean? So are they, are they seeking through the song first? I mean, probably, that's probably the first thing you're going to hear is you're going to get in there and worship music's going to start. Is it, is it going to, uh, is it glorifying God? Is, so it, can, is it mentioning uh, Jesus, the name of Jesus? Can different, song, can different styles, though, mm-hmm. glorify God? Yes. So I'm just clarifying. You, so you you're can go not to, meaning you can go like to a it has church. to be hymns. No, you can go. To, you can go to a church that glorifies God that sings only psalms. You can go to one that has rap music. Yeah, it's the content that you're talking about. Correct. Like, who are they singing about and to? Yes. Right. Right. Ezra, I think uh, for me, it's just one thing: uh, was Christ made much of in that service? So I will take the service as a whole, and then evaluate the entire service and ask the question: Was the Lord Jesus Christ spoken of, glorified, uh, made it, like it was clear to everyone there who it is that is being worshipped here. If that's not the case, then I'd have a question mark. Now, obviously, I'm not going to write them off right away, but I'd do a second visit to see again, is Christ being made much of here? Mm-hmm. Is his word being exalted and like uh, placed in high regard? Are these people right. people who pray? Those are certain things. If if I go there two times, three times, and I realize there isn't much, then I'll be like, eh, I don't know if I want to be here. Yeah. So mine is that you. I think you need to. I think you you owe it to yourself and to your spiritual life to go to a church where the Bible is preached faithfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think that has to be exposition, although I think it probably should be. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can go to a, a church where the Bible the Bible, and in its context, is handled carefully and well. Right, not flippant, not just mm-hmm. proof texted all over the place. You go to church where it's constant right. proof texting, meaning that oh, here's my point, and like I've been to churches before where where the guy's got like he's got a main point, and then he goes to passages to find out to basically prove the main point, and yeah. most of the passages don't prove them the point at all. Right, if that's happening too much, man, you're learning something about God's word, and in ways that I just think I think 
lead to, may not be dangerous now, but that kind of approach leads to danger in the long run. Mm -hmm. Andy, what you got? Yeah, I think building off all of what you already said, one of the things for me as a parent that's important is that it's a church that values children. Yeah. It it values people. So this is, uh, you know, a head-heart thing, right? That it's not just good doctrine being taught, but it's being lived out in the life of the people. Right. I think Mm -hmm. you also, on another one, I think that there needs to be a heart for mission. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. I I actually think, and whether local, global, I think that there needs to be an attitude that we exist for the good of the... we, We exist for the edification of the body and for the good of the world. Amen. And so if the church is so focused on its own issues and its own whatever, man, that's going to lead you down a path that's just not going to be that great. Okay, so here's a question. Obviously, there isn't any perfect church out there. Right. And so I'm thinking of listeners who might be tuning in who live in very little rural communities where the church only has limited Mm. reach, limited resources, and so on. So then the question becomes, okay, what's the... I mean, we've mentioned various ingredients, but what's the key one? Like, is there a key ingredient that that has got to be there? If it's not there, then you can't go. Because Preaching. I'm thinking there aren't, not every church it's, I think it's going to be different that... for different people. I will say that, though, that you have to make a distinction between what makes a church a church and not a church. And that's a doctrinal yeah. distinction for me. Okay. Like, actually, you have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Born of the Virgin Mary, lived, died under, you know, right? Sure. Died under Pontius Pilate and raised again on the third day for our justification. So mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I believe that you that churches that need to believe that and espouse it boldly, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the other stuff, I don't know, it is a lot of its taste and other things like that. But again, one of the things too, I've always I've wanted to write a book actually about like in favor of church shopping. Isn't that awful of me? I don't want to. That sounds totally totally wrong and bad. <laughs> I just think that church shopping is always looked down on for good reason, right? People go around and they become consumerist and stuff. But there are things that you need to take into account. And I feel bad for people who are who are looking for a church or trying to find a new church because the one that they're, I mean. I feel bad for people in dead churches. Right. Most of, there are a lot of churches that aren't doing and our church might not be meeting the needs of an individual at a particular stage of their life or time. And I have no problem with somebody like that saying, you know what, at just at this moment in my life, I need to go to this place because my kids are connecting there. Right? That's great. Praise God. I hope that we're able to be the place where your kids connect can connect. But I do think it's okay from time to time for that kind of thing to happen. Now, some people are going to respond to that and say, what? It's a church as a family. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think that there are some some reasons that are not as central, that are legitimate in the lives of people hmm. for for going to a different church. Now, I'm, I want, I'm very happy to have you guys See, chastise I- me for that. No, I'm, I'm not going to chastise you. You should. I'm, I'm going to <laughs> switch it just a little bit here to say this. I think for me, the one must have is what you had already mentioned earlier. I think the question for me would be, why do we gather um, every weekend for this event? Why do we gather? And I think we gather to worship and we gather to hear the word proclaimed. Yes. And so if, if the, a church you're looking for People are gathering and they are worshiping Christ for who he is, the risen Lord, and his word is clearly articulated right. mm-hmm. before you, then that's a good church. It and then all these, church. Are, all these other things... Well, I would assume will... that mission's going to take place if a church is like that. Yes. Because if you're taking the word of God seriously, it's difficult for 
that to happen. So yes, yes. I believe I agree with you. I think that that's that's central. I'm, I, I am asking you though. Do you disagree with me? Well, I that think there are legitimate reasons other than that, like a church can hold those viewpoints, mm-hmm. and that there's there are moments in life that might lead you to a different body. Yes, I think that would be legitimate. I think that'd be legitimate in this sense. In this sense, you may go to a to a church where you find okay, so they're worshiping. The word is great, but um, at that stage in the church's life, they're not very big on mission, or they're not very big on on a particular area where you feel God has gifted you in. But so, shouldn't for instance, you stay and what about help them? Di- huh? Well, what if they're dysfunctional? How do you mean? Well, I I know a number of churches that. Maybe they've gone through, you know, three pastors in the last five years, uh, and they're, you know, they're just going through all kinds of hardships. That I think that's a tension that a lot of people feel. How committed am I to that church? How how far do I ride this? Do I sink with the ship, you know, or, or See, can I, I think, can I get out into okay. a life raft? No, it depends. It de- every situation is different, in my opinion. And to go back to Jeff's question, should shouldn't you stay then, and try and be the solution to the sure. problem? And my response to that is this: I think before you um, take your tent pegs and leave and go to a different place, I think you try and engage the leadership. I think you talk to them. I think you explore ways in which you could be a part of the solution to the situation that you're seeing. However, at the end of the day, if you realize that this is this is not going to fly where you realize that, hey, it's not going to go. They, either they are not interested or they are not resources. For whatever reason, they're not, they're not into it. Rather than sticking and being bitter and being divisive, then I think it would be, I, I think it would be a good thing for you to consider, okay, there are other fellowships in your community, in your area, that probably would be warm toward the ideas that you have, and you can transition there. I don't think it's a bad thing because if you remain in the situation that you're in and now you become bitter and it begins to fester and then you're talking to other people, you know, this church, don't, they don't do, they don't do, they don't do, they don't do. What are you doing well, it's now? it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to be healthy. So it would be best then if you realize the door is shut, just transition, like yeah. bless them and transition. I'm interested in the, the listeners uh, engaging in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a theory I have. Uh, and I'm, I'm very, ha- I'm very happy to change my mind about it. I do think it should that leaving churches should be a last resort. Mm-hmm. I do think that there, there is far too much consumerism going on in the church today. All of that is fully agreed. I just, I've been a pastor long enough, and I've had people leave my church enough, and I've had people like come to our church enough to know that some, some of the reasons which are might on the face of it sound petty. I, actually for their stage of life are producing great fruit. Do you understand what I mean? The reason mm-hmm, totally. that the change is producing great fruit that wouldn't be happening had they stayed. And that I'm trying to make sense of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you have uh, comments on this on the, on the website after you listen, there's a comment section. Feel free to leave some comments there, and uh, maybe we can interact with those another week. Or if you have follow-up questions, it'd be great too. What? If they have, a we're probably more likely to, to talk one. about it if you write us an email to yeah. extra. Sure, at yeah. Too. Do that too. Yes. So yeah, you bet. Extra at northview.org. So thank you for listening and uh, have a great week. <laughs>